welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. Uh, I want to give you a full disclaimer at the beginning. This podcast isn't going to be like a standard Knock On Podcast. Um, I'm actually not going to be getting into any technical questions or any type of shooting or form related questions. This podcast um, is actually going to be quite different than I normally do. Um, I guess with much hesitation and debate, I've decided to speak a little bit of my mind on a subject that's pretty much mainstream right now within the archery and hunting community. Um, I want to make sure that people out there understand that this isn't something that I've been asked to do. Um, it's something that I'm actually wanting to do as a plea to all of us here in the hunting community. I really want to um, try to shed some light on a subject that I feel very, very passionate about. I was trying to get a hold of a fellow um, professional Boone and Crockett member to do this podcast with me, someone that is a huge specialist in this subject, but unfortunately um, he's traveling right now and I'm not able to get him on. Um, but for those of you who don't know, I am a, I was accepted as a professional member to the Boone and Crockett Club. Um, I'm a huge believer in the conservation, really stand behind legal hunting, fair chase, all the above. And um, But with this recent um, thing that's happened, which I'm sure most of you in the hunting community know what I'm talking about um, and what I'm going to get into here, I just wanted to give my opinion on it and also use some of my expertise um, when it comes to relationships globally to try to um, allow some people that may not have um, looked at it from this angle to try to just understand some of the things that aren't necessarily, uh, I don't want anyone, I'm not going to try to sway anyone's opinion on sides. Um, I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to tell you things that are important to me about the hunting community, about conservation, and also about what I feel like um, has caused maybe a lot of this disruption. Um, but I do want to say also that there, this is a very complex subject and something that's super, super passionate to me about. Um, I was actually really emotional about this um, a few days ago. I was trying to avoid the situation just because I know people are extremely um, active in their opinions. And uh, But for me, I can tell you that you know I realized I needed to make something once some of these decisions that people are making and some of people's aggression within the industry are actually coming all the way to my son's social media, um, which is super disappointing. But I went ahead and I actually have a lot of this that I'm going to go through today written down 
So I'm going to be reading through a lot of this, and I want to give you that disclaimer. Um, it is how I feel, but obviously there's so much for me to talk about, um, and I wanted to make sure that I talked about it kind of in the correct order and without having someone that with me on the show that really understands this subject. Um, it would have been difficult for me to just kind of do all this off a whim or off um, an outline. So I'm just going to read through this and I want a lot of people out there um, to understand where this comes from, realize that I'm, you know, I've traveled the globe. I have a lot of friends that are international and um, I have a lot of friends that I know internationally don't have a problem with hunting, but for surely were offended by the spear hunting video that I'm referring to. So I'm just going to jump into this and hopefully it comes out all right. Um, and, and then we can move past it and I'll give you guys a normal podcast, but I do want people to know exactly where I'm coming from simply because, um, I truly believe this, and as we get deeper in, you'll actually understand that I had committed about six years towards this subject, or six months or another towards this subject, um, in a project that actually I decided to never put out. We'll get into that, but I just want uh, all of you to know that this recent media storm about the bear being killed in Alberta using a spear is just very unfortunate. It's unfortunate for hunters, um, the people that were involved, the companies that are involved, and certainly the people um, like me that are unwillingly in the middle of it all. And really what's broken my heart about all this is the number of hardworking retailers whom I've been a sales rep to for many, many years that are texting me about how all of these decisions and people deciding to either take the sides of the hunters versus the companies involved, um, naming Under Armour, how it's hurting their business as well. And that's what's really disappointing to me is that we're allowing this decision to hurt our own community. And I just want to make sure that all of us hunters realize that in a certain way, we are really hurting ourselves on this subject if we're going to put our retailers and our professional shops and hardworking uh, people that have stores um, in the middle of this as well. But this issue goes back for me way further than the last few days um, when all this blew out of control. Uh, I really want to make sure that all of you know that I'm 100% in support of legal hunting um, of all kinds and with all kinds of weapons. However, I do feel an obligation to stress the sensitivity of it and keep in mind that my family is from England. I met Sharon on a plane to France years ago, many, many years ago, and all of her family, which is my family, um, they're mainly from the Liverpool area, and I can certainly tell you that they were never automatically accepting to hunting. Um, it's just, it's a completely different life over there. However, now all of my family members understand it. And 
almost all of them accept it, and Sharon and Harry even hunt themselves once they were given the appropriate message to hunting. And that's really why I feel such a connection on this subject and why I really want to talk to at least my listeners and let them know where I stand on this. Um, there's things that I try to do and there's try there's things that I try not to do in regards to hunting simply because I'm trying to consider the parts of the world that simply does not understand it. And the, rea- the reality is that now is a very key time for us as a hunting community because we're at the first point ever during my lifetime for sure when I am actually having non-hunters finally starting to ask me questions about hunting. And this is something that we really need to have. I have somewhat open-minded questions. They're not always just turning their heads in disgust anymore. People are genuinely asking me because there's a movement right now in our in our whole society and for the first time ever there's an actual interest in organic and chemical-free food consumption. We look at our stores, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, you know, we look at um, a lot of the documentaries that are out there and, and, you know, people seeing the types of, you know, maybe unethical slaughters that are happening for the food that's on their plate. And for the first time, people are actually asking questions about hunting. And there's some very, very key figures within the mainstream media world that are really fighting for us diligently and help and spread that message. Um, obviously, Joe Rogan has been tremendous for the industry and in helping people understand that message. But for the first time, people are asking, we really have to know that that is a positive thing. It's super important, and I would way rather have people asking me and somewhat wanting to at least hear me out versus not even hearing me out. And some things like this that may happen, and especially when it causes this much disruption within the industry, if people build the wrong attitude and say, well, screw that, I'm going to do what I want, you know, I'm going to show whatever I want, I'm just telling you there's going to be, there's going to be negative rapport from that there's going to be negative repercussions i can promise you um there are a lot of people out there asking me to choose sides between either hunting or the corporate decisions made by under armor um but what i'm going to do is i'm going to share with you the things that i feel that are really important for all of us to hear and we need to understand that our actions as hunters And the messages we show to the world do have significant echoes globally, whether we care for it or not. Whether you're in some southern state and you've never, you'll never fly across the ocean or you'll never be outside the U.S., as much as you might want to say, well, screw that, you know, I'm from America, man. Um, Man, the reality is those types of people they do have a voice and those types of people are also the majority on voting for things that greatly affect us. Um, I hear people talking about, 
wanting more arch more money in the archery world and more money in tournament archer uh tournament archery and i hear people talking about wanting um bigger checks at the pro events so that we can have um archery grow bigger and bigger and even get on tv you know we talk we continually as pros um, and as 3D shooters and as, you know, people that are in world archery, we talk about how do we make archery mainstream? We talk about how archery was barely covered in the Olympics. And why is that? We want to have that recognition. Well, the problem is the messages that we send sometimes from the hunting community have a direct reflection on the archery community as well. And the messages we send paint a very clear picture that prevent a lot of that from happening. And the reality is that we do need outside support financially to our industry and for our passion. But this is only going to continue to decline if we don't manage ourselves better as an archery and as a hunting community. What all of us need to realize is that when we represent any company, we often sign documents, I know that I do, stating that I won't misrepresent the companies or in any way shed negative light on that company. If you're a pro staff shooter or if you're a staff shooter of any kind out there right now listening to this message, you need to go back and look at the contract that you've signed. Because it's going to say a very similar thing on that contract. And unfortunately for the people involved in this recent event, they showed a world a very graphic video that was determined by a mass amount of people to be a very negative light. And a major company decided that they didn't necessarily feel that that was in their best interest. Um, I'll be the first to say that I've made some dumb mistakes myself as a hunter, as a professional archer, and as a public figure. I think maybe we all have, but I have continued to at least understand my mistakes and change the way that I did things and then learn from how those choices did affect people. And I can tell you that as a traveling professional archer, I've learned a lot about how I can talk about something with a fellow U.S. team member that's a hunter versus how I can talk about something from or to a good friend that may be a professional archer from France or Belgium or you know Germany. And although in some of those places hunting is legal, it's a very, very delicate situation. And I can tell you, I have friends in South Africa, I have friends in Denmark that fight diligently for the rights of hunters and the rights of bow hunters. And these little things set those people back years. And there's certain laws that have been established in some of these countries that will literally prevent bow hunting from ever happening because of an incident that was never even related to these countries. And this is why I feel so strongly about this, why I want to talk about this. There's things that I've personally aired on my TV show that after reading some of the comments from you, I decided that I should remove and re-edit before I ever put them on the web. 
Um, there's certain aspects to hunting that I personally feel like I need to show because it's really how it happened. There's times where I don't make a perfect hit. There's times where I shoot way too far back. Um, but I can tell you that if I, if I did legitimately recover that animal the way that I showed, then I showed it because that's the truth. I wanted people to know that I don't always make a perfect shot and, Sometimes I felt like it was good to show people how certain equipment choices that I made actually bailed me out of a very um, potentially negative situation. But on some of those shots, when I realized that even hunters didn't necessarily like the fact that I showed those impacts, I changed them and I learned from them. So I think all that's important on this subject here. Um, I know that some of the shots that I've taken as a hunter um, and that I've shown have also um, just been poor shot choices. There's no question. Sometimes we're in the moment and that happens. But again, uh, I had to make a choice on how much of that I would actually show. Um, I can tell you that I have personally been let go from pro staffs in the past, um, not necessarily on hunting related subjects, but at times, I've been let go on pro staff positions because I just wasn't seen to seen as the correct figure um, or the correct fit for some companies and maybe the new directions that they've gone. Um, but I can tell you right now, and this is what I think is a huge part of this equation that wasn't looked at, is that I've decided to learn from those and I made corrections and I chose either my sponsors maybe a little better or I definitely looked at how I acted and realized that some lines are very, very um, straight and narrow versus some companies may not have as straight of a, um, a demand. But I can tell you that I personally did not tell other people to go out and try to rally for me and I didn't drag other people into my choices. I just learned from them and I moved on. And for any of you who follow me, you know that I've written articles about being a pro staff member, how to get your foot in the door. And I can tell you that decisions like these are critical for all professionals, not just you. Um, how I separate from a certain company, which Several podcasts ago, I told you about a separation I made from a company. I didn't go into much detail of why. I just told you that it wasn't the correct fit, and that was that. Um, I just feel like making this spear uh, video available to the globe was just overall probably a poor decision, and I believe... Eh, well, believe it or not, I did speak directly with them. Um, I personally don't want to call out names just in case anyone who is listening to this doesn't really know what I'm talking about. But I can tell you that, yes, I did have direct text with them. Um, and they they did ask my opinion on what they should do about what was going on. And all I can say um, is... 
it's something that some hunters like, but not all hunters. And I also told them that it's also something that if not all hunters are liking it, then most certainly other people are not going to be ex- going to be able to accept it and that it shouldn't have been put out there. And, and that was honestly how I addressed it with them. And I'm glad that they valued my opinion. I'm thankful they asked me. But I also can tell you that I'm just not really into that. I'm a hunter. Um, and there's certain methods of hunting I don't personally like to watch. And, and I know that some people do. That's okay. But I just think that for the mainstream media, this was a disaster really waiting to happen. And... The main thing I want to talk about here as well and something that I want to get into is that two years ago, I was asked by one of the largest publications in Europe to write a book introducing bow hunting to the non-hunting European archers. Um, They felt that I was a perfect candidate really because of my European and international experience and my past success um, as an accomplished target archer. And because of that experience, I knew how sensitive of a subject this was going to be, and I actually asked all of my sponsors if I could write this book project first before I did it. Um, I was just smart enough to know that it was probably going to cause issues and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing anything that my sponsors wouldn't have disapprove of. Originally, this book was going to be a compilation from multiple writers, but I told the publisher that the only way I would have my name attached to a type of hunting book in Europe or for international sale was that if I could have full control of all photos and full control on all content. And the reason was is because I knew that this book could potentially be disastrous for hunting just as easily as it could be positive. Um, In addition to that, I actually questioned myself on whether or not I should even risk my relationships with people like World Archery or my relationships with fellow target archers um, or even my fellow hunters. You got to keep in mind that I have friends all around the world and this podcast is listened to by archers who will never, ever hunt. That is why I have a John Dudley athlete page that I try to prevent hunting type information to go to or hunting pictures. I have my personal John Dudley page, which I do share my personal things as a, as what I like and things that my family follows, which includes hunting. So if people don't like that page, they can go to the John Dudley athlete page, which is dedicated to target archery. And then I have the knock on TV stuff, which is covering everything. So, you know, I knew of the sensitivity of this this whole thing, and I also was hesitant because I really did not want to risk any of those other relationships that I value so much. But I did feel like I could maybe be the only one that I know of that could walk lightly enough 
on this subject so that I could actually do good for the hunting community. And one month before my book was complete, which was after months and months and months and months of of building this project, the Cecil the Lion thing happened. And we all know that story. Legal hunt. But obviously the world just could not accept it yet. And it was at that time that I decided that my book on introducing hunting was not going to go to the publisher. And my honest feeling is that some of the international societies just aren't ready. And I didn't want to shed any type of negative light of any kind to the sport or to hunting or to my sponsors. Um, So today what I want to do is actually read through the first two chapters of my book. And the reason I want to do this is for all of you here in my outdoor family here in the U.S. and Canada. I love Canada. I love hunting Canada. Um, I just want all of you to understand just how delicate of a line that this is and keep in mind of how delicate of a line I was trying to walk. Um, And then even through that, in the end, I still think that it may not have even been enough. So as I read through these first two chapters, I just want you to maybe, in your heart, think about how we as hunters can possibly adjust and be mindful of what we're doing anywhere where it can be seen outside of our local buddies or outside of our hunting club, etc. I just want everyone out there to think about kind of where I was going with this and hopefully maybe just start to somewhat see the other side ruling out The people that were in this situation, ruling out the company that was involved in this situation, just wiping that slate clean and looking at it as, you're a hunter, you take pictures of what you're doing, how does that affect everything, and what can we do so that this never happens again? So this was going to be chapter one, the introduction. I'm really excited at the opportunity to have part in this project to introduce many of you avid archers and outdoorsmen to the world of hunting. I was eager to take part in this book because I have such a love for the outdoors and also the love for the sport of target archery. Where I live in the U.S., hunting is part of our culture, it's part of our society, and it's also a very needed practice of wildlife management. It's the main source of funding to improve to the to improve the environment and to improve our natural resources. I started hunting white-tailed deer and wild turkeys with a gun at an early age, but then when I was 10, I started bow hunting, and hunting was something that my family did for a main source of inexpensive and hormone-free protein. Archery had a lengthy season and bow hunting was, in my opinion, much safer to do near populated areas and required added skill that had my interest. After several years of being involved, being a novice bow hunter, 
I felt the obligation to do everything I could to become more efficient and ultimately a flawless bow hunter. For that reason, I started shooting competitive archery. Through target archery, I learned of my natural talent to shoot a bow, and I turned pro at the age of 18. I shot in all formats of competitive archery and eventually found my spot on the U.S. archery team where I shot all over the world and won many medals as a professional. During this time, my passion was for being the best bow hunter possible. My competition season was simply my practice for being in the wild in the fall. And it was with the U.S. team, though, which I made many friends and connections from all around the world. I learned about the many differences in opinions on bow hunting and those other con- and from people from those other countries. I respected my foreign competitors, and I made a commitment to myself to look at this subject now from both sides. Simply put, I had interest to know why some foreigners had negative views towards bow hunting. I listened to their side, but I also asked in return that they would then listen to mine. Most of the time, their response after hearing me was, wow, I never knew that. And they now have a clear understanding on bow hunting and its importance to conservation. This is another reason why I feel like I'm the right person to introduce this book on bow hunting to the parts of the world where it is not yet politically accepted. I think that if you're curious to this subject, then I can help shed light from a neutral position. I'd like to share with you a few more things about what I currently do so that you can have a better understanding of me and most importantly have trust in this information. Since my retirement from professional competition, I've made a career educating people on how to become better archers and ethical bow hunters. I work with many of the world's most elite archers and have been a key speaker for world archery at events and have worked internationally with leading manufacturers for the past 20 years. I'm currently considered by many as a top coach for professionals, national teams, and I even coach other Olympic coaches. I've traveled the globe and flown all over, have flown over a million miles with nothing other than a bow case. Through all this, I've had a motto that I tell people who ask me either why I compete or why do you hunt. And my message is, I became a target archer so that I could become a better bow hunter. And I'm a better bow hunter because I'm a target archer. This is my model, and this is why I do both of them, because I believe they go hand in hand with one another. My goal with this book is to give you insight into the world of hunting and help enlighten you on this sport. In addition, I want to share with you some of my professional knowledge on equipment, shooting technique, bow and arrow setup, ethics to hunting, and also strategies to get you started in the right direction to be successful should you choose to become a bow hunter. The door that I'm about to open will introduce you to bow hunting and will give you an entirely new look at nature and also many beautiful creations that I'm sure you would have never seen any other way. That was my first chapter of this book. And before I move into the second part, I just want to say quick on the podcast here that you 
all out there, even though this may seem a little boring to you, what I'm reading, um, you really just need to consider that I'm trying to do my best to let people soften up to something that we cherish so much and also give them credibility that we're not just savages. And that's why I wanted to read this because all of you out there who listen to me know me and what I'm like and what I do. But I just think that how we deliver that message will have such an impact on how all this really is going to go for our future generations. Um, so the second, the second uh, chapter here is about the the need to bow hunting, and uh, I was actually going to start this chapter with a lot of photos um, of animals that I've captured in the wild. Um, so it starts out, I know in certain parts of the world, hunting is not really understood as in many ways misrepresented by the general public and also the mainstream media. Now, if we add the word bow in the word hunting, this, this puts this topic on a new level as well. Oftentimes, it's even less understood, which is why I felt the need to take part in heading up this project. I want to shed light tastefully on a part of archery that I know many of you may be curious about. If you're totally against hunting, then this is not going to be something that you're going to enjoy reading. However, if you do have an open mind to hearing both sides of the story, then you're going to find interest in this book. And I promise to keep this tasteful yet truthful because that is exactly how I see hunting. I want to be the first to start off by saying that I can respectfully appreciate everyone's personal beliefs. Even when certain things aren't really up my alley in beliefs, I simply decide to agree or disagree, but without aggressively voicing that opinion either way. Since I've spent most of my life traveling the world for competitive archery, I have encountered plenty of people in foreign countries that have only ever viewed hunting from one side, but to their defense, it was probably the only side they'd ever been shown. Hunting is a subject that I believe deserves to be heard from both sides to everyone. Although it is part of the culture here in the U.S., I completely understand that it isn't in all areas of the world. One thing I do see that is almost that almost every country uh, one thing that I do see is that in almost every country hunting with a gun is somewhat legal. Unfortunately though in many parts of European countries where hunting with a gun is legal, hunting with a bow is not. And this is why and or I'm sorry, this is, and hunting with a bow is not. Why is this, and where exactly do we draw the line? I've heard some go as far to say as that bow hunting is a barbaric practice, but I completely disagree. Hunting with a bow is an art form. It's something that requires many things to go in your favor and also requires cunning skill and strategy in order to get within bow range. 
It also gives you an open door to see more of nature than you'll ever see any other way. The unfortunate truth is that there are some hunters that have shown a poor side to bow hunting. Foolish choices, improper hunting ethics, and failure to respect the law in all favor. But it isn't that way for most things, or I said, but isn't it that way in most things in life? The few can spoil it for the many. And this is why I write this and why I promise to show you hunting as I see it and how most of archery companies see it as well. At the heart of it is a group of people who donate far more to conservation and wildlife than any other group there is. I want to show you that hunting is beautiful and tasteful as long as you respect it. As you read this, Try to erase any bloody image that you may have in your mind from someone who has decided to not show it to you in this way yet. One of the true blessings in life is that you always have a choice. I make the choice each time I harvest an animal to take pride in a tasteful photo reminding me of the memory of that adventure just as much as I enjoy the harvest. It is... It is a fact that there is undoubtedly a need for regulating the population of certain animals in certain areas, and here are some of the reasons why. First, I'd like to talk to you about some of the very important facts about the practices of conservation and why they're so critical. This is something I always knew were important but really didn't know these true numbers until I did some research on this subject for my own wife, who is from England, and didn't come from any sort of background in hunting. She did have an open mind and really wanted to know the questions that I believe some of you are asking, like, why is hunting even needed? Or um, why is it that people can shoot these animals that look so beautiful? So I did some research for her just on this subject And I knew that I'd be able to find some easy evidence, but the results were even staggering to me. This is on the subject of vehicle collisions, since it is the most common to be driving and see evidence of animals and vehicle collisions alongside the roads. The facts are, these facts are from only one insurance company here in the U.S. I would invite you to Google search this topic from yourself. But from June 2012 to June 2013, there were 1.23 million deer vehicle collisions costing more than $4 billion in vehicle damage, according to the State Farm Insurance Company. It also reports a 7.9% increase each year of all the last years. Another, another important number is from the Insurance Institute of Highway Safety, which announced that there are an average of 200 fatalities each year from just white-tailed deer collisions. Keep in mind these staggering numbers are only based on wild deer and don't include all other species that we have here in the U.S., including wild hogs, elk, moose, and bear. Where I grew up in Mississippi, my area had an estimated 35 deer per square mile. And with these kinds of numbers, it's critical that we continue to control our herds with proper legal conservation. 
I understand that in some countries you simply don't have these kinds of numbers of animals, but in many countries they do. This is where I believe that hunting is needed in a very humane method. This is why I believe that there are archers and why there's people that have curiosity to hunting. And there's certain places that could certainly use your help. I think globally people are starting to understand these facts more and more, but there's still media that fails to see or understand our conservation in this way. For some of the European countries, though, the ethics of hunting with the bow is still up for debate. However, there are places that you can go, in fact, and enjoy bow hunting. Places like France, Spain, Denmark, Hungary, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and Mexico. The U.S. and also Canada are just some to name a few. If you're keen in giving bow hunting a try, then I'd like to ask for you to really understand the importance of ethics and making smart choices that won't discredit this great opportunity. You need to understand the importance of learning your hunting equipment and doing your part to make sure that you're ready for a lethal shot. Like I mentioned before, I became a target archer so that I could become a better bow hunter. We owe this commitment to Mother Nature, and I would also urge you to join your local hunting organizations. Not only do they need your support, but they're also great resources for learning more about hunting and where it's legal and what you can do to help to fight for our rights as hunters. Hunting is a valuable resource, an important privilege, and also a huge asset to financially contributing to Mother Nature Please be sure to consider and appreciate the ethical responsibilities that we have as hunters. That was the second chapter to my book. And I guess lastly here, I just kind of want to finish up this podcast um, with just a few more things. And I guess now that you've heard the approach that I was taking with my book, I think you hopefully understand now just how sensitive of a subject that this was and how important it is for us to make decisions, especially on our social media pages, that are going to shed positive light to this subject. The choice that was made on this spearing video and how things were done to glorify the photos whether or not there was extra blood added to the photos or not. And I guess how the bear was harvested, it was just a perfect scenario for the kind of hate that followed it from the mainstream media. And we all have to learn from this. I do want to state that Under Armour has always supported me as a hunter and as a competitive target archery almost for 10 years now. And I will say as well, they have not asked me to say this. They haven't talked to me about saying this. But I can tell you that they have supported countless numbers of hunting-related charity events, two of which were in Canada, 
just last month that I went and did. They were the the only supporter to it financially for me. Um, and they believed in me long before a lot of the bigger companies that I have now did. So I would just want to say that I personally have been part of many companies' marketing teams. Some of you know this. Some of you may not. Um, I've managed many pro staff teams. I currently do for some people. Um, I have for a lot of listeners out there know that I've helped many of you in pro staff positions and make some of those decisions at times. And I can tell you that there's plenty of times when I have seen certain marketing teams vote on terminating pro staff members because they were doing something that might have been putting the company at risk. I'm not saying the way this went down was the same. I really don't know. I have no communication with this decision, how it happened. I don't, I haven't, I don't, I've personally never shaken the hands of the people that put the video out there. So I don't, I've never met them face to face. I don't know what they're like. The difference is, and what is critical to our community as archers and as hunters, and any of you who are listening that even hope to one day be a staff member of some sort, the difference is that I have never had any of the people that we've had to terminate or at times when I've been terminating, I've never had them immediately call out the hunting or the target world to their defense. Um, my personal feeling is that this is part of being a pro and signing a contract that says that is also stating that you will be held to a higher standard. That's my personal opinion. To end this podcast... I actually want to play for you the audio from Shane Patrick Mahoney. This audio is of his presentation during the Wild Sheep Foundation show, and it can be found in its entirety on YouTube if you search for Shane Mahoney speech at uh, Wild Sheep Foundation show. Shane is a fellow professional member to the Boone and Crockett Club. Um, he's someone that I have heard speak about this type of subject. Um, someone that moved me, changed my opinion, and certainly molded um, a direction that I have gone on how I address this subject with the rest of the world. And he does a great job. Um, he's the president and CEO of conservation visions which is and he's also a newfoundland native holds honors in mass and a master's in science of i'm sorry a master's of science degree in zoology from memorial university of newfoundland and he is also um, has over 30 years experience working primarily as a scientist wildlife manager policy innovator and strategic advisor, but also as a filmmaker, writer, narrator, and TV and radio personality, 
And he's done all of this within the scope of the greater conservation world. And he really encompasses both the scientific and professional wildlife communities. He is a great person to listen to. And I'm going to put him on here from a little uh, 10-minute excerpt from a speech that I heard of his. So hopefully all of you out there have a little bit better understanding on why I was quiet on the subject, but also have an understanding of my plea to the hunting community. We need to, it's great that we unified. We need to somewhat unify together and realize that some people um, are also getting drug into this thing. So I appreciate all of you out there. I'm glad that I have a platform and I can tell you that I'm going to leave this podcast. I'm not going to leave it up for debate. You can make a decision which way you'd like, but um, I'm not going to converse on the subject. I just want you to know how I feel and um, I want the archery and the hunting community to come out of this positively. So, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and on the next podcast, I'm going to definitely go back into the normal flavor, technical questions, tuning, etc., but uh, if you want to hear a pretty important speaker talk about how decisions we make can affect our future, then hope you enjoy Shane. Thanks, everybody. We have to start emphasizing, ladies and gentlemen, what the public wants to hear. We know what they support. We've known it for decades. It is not something new. For 40 years, we have been doing surveys in the United States of America, 40 years, that have demonstrated what the public in the United States of America supports with respect to hunting and what they do not. And now we're surprised. The statistics haven't changed in four decades before Mark Zuckerberg was born, before Facebook was even conceived, it was clear. They support conservation. They support the hunt if it's done ethically. They support meat hunting. They support the use of the animal. And we need to begin to articulate these things in all of our hunting. Stewardship. And yes, yes, dare I say, dare I say to the hunting world, dare I use the term that we should be empathetic, dare I use the term, dare I suggest that we in the hunting movement should be concerned about animal welfare. Yes, I dare. I dare here and now. means we're going to have to change almost everything, ladies and gentlemen, in some form or fashion. It means our websites and our magazines and our advertisements, our language, our conventions, our display booths. It means they're all going to have to change to some extent to emphasize those things that the public sees as worthy, as honorable, as worth supporting. We are 6% at best. And some of the latest statistics are suggesting it's quite a bit lower than that. Time for us to realize 
that fighting hard does not mean fighting the wrong way. If we continue to bombard the public with the images and messages that they have told us for 40 years they are against, then I don't think we need Einsteins to advise us of the future. But some say what we need is to launch a social media campaign raise $5 million, $10 million. I've heard lots of people talking about this. Let's just raise a big pile of money, get, get the cash flowing, and develop a social media campaign, and let's go out and change it. Now, that to me is absolutely patently ridiculous. If we do not change the messages that every single day are hurting us, and then turn around and develop a separate little campaign to provide the positive messages, it would be like saying to a man, you can drink the ocean if we put this thimble of fresh water in it. Yes, we need to be better at social media, but we need better messages all around, ladies and gentlemen. And with regard to science, let me only say this. I have worked in the field of science for 30 years and published now in 20 peer-reviewed journals. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that we are in a battle for the heart, not exactly for the mind, and we better figure out how to speak to this as much as we speak to this, or we are not going to win this war. So can we do it? Absolutely we can do it. Absolutely we can do it. Do you know why we can do it? Because we've done it before, first of all. The turn of the 20th century, hunting was despised as the cause of the decline of wildlife in the United States and Canada. True, it was commercial hunting, by and large, but people were also opposed to the pot hunters, the rural poor who needed to hunt for food. Even that form of hunting was disparaged. That's where the whole idea of recreational hunting came from, as antagonistic to that kind of hunting. We reinvented the narrative over hunting 100 years ago and did it so effectively that we rescued wildlife from the abyss of extinction, created a massive program of economic benefit to people in both Canada and the United States, and gave to every citizen of our two countries an extraordinary legacy of wildlife abundance that undoubtedly would not have existed without the support of the hunting and angling community in Canada and the United States. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the second reason why we can do it. Because our story is true. Our story is real. Our story is not fiction. It is not made up by people like me. We rescued wildlife from a circumstance of near extinction of endangerment to a point today where the abundance on this continent is absolutely astounding. Not only do we have the ungulates that we pursue, we have managed to keep the big nasty beasts with us. And for all the debate and tension over wolves and grizzly bears and mountain lions and the hunting of them, 
This is one of the proudest legacy of every person in this room. That we still have them. That they are not gone. That they still roam. That they can still antagonize us. Still, to some extent, toy with us. And still, to some extent, make us feel afraid. These are the achievements of our hunting world. So I'm calling, ladies and gentlemen, make no, make no mistake about this. I'm calling for a revolution in our approach. But I am appealing to the best in every single one of you. And I'm appealing to the best in every single person who has ever hunted or ever fished or ever thought about it or ever studied it. Whoever knew someone who did it, a father, a grandfather, an uncle, a brother, a sister, a mother, a grandmother. I'm asking every single person to draw the best from themselves so that we safeguard our tradition, our culture, our freedom. Our freedom. Our freedom to pursue this. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.